Well, hello there, listeners and watchers who are listening, because <laughs> there is no visual for me right now. But I am enjoying talking into this mic. I've got something husky going on with my voice for this opening episode. I don't know why. Anyway, welcome to Driving to Pretoria. That's the first time I've said those words, because as you'll see in episode one, we really weren't sure what this podcast was called but you'll also see where the name of the series was inspired by or how it was inspired by my guest in episode one kg kahiso mohadi somebody i've known for probably more than a decade i first saw him when he was working in i want to say an it company at the time but he has over the last decade become one of our finest I can say exports because I think he has performed in other countries. And KG Mukhari on this show today discusses some of the challenges of being a comedy heavyweight. I think you're going to enjoy this episode. It's really a, a kind of a pilot. We didn't know what we were doing for episode one, but we actually had a lot of fun. I had fun and I hope you have fun. This is episode one of Driving to Pretoria with KG Mukhari. So Keiji, what are um, what are some of your worst memories of being on stage? You know, gigs that you would prefer to forget, but you can't forget. What embarrassing and just the worst. And the most embarrassing was I was headlining the late night comedy spot in Grahamstown was sober. Everybody else was drinking. Well, Grahamstown's got that vibe where somebody's got old brown sherry because it's cold. And they're passing old brown sherry and... Do you know what I mean? It, it tastes like crap, but it's the thing. At some point you go, yeah, I'm drinking sherry. I'm doing OBS. Like, uh, this is what it is. So, I wasn't drinking. And at that point, my biggest fear was falling on stage. I walked on the stairs... Stuart Taylor introduced me. I had energy, my man. I, I had that, you know, like sometimes I've got this like swag. I'm a swag man. I'm Tats and Gonzo. Like I'm, I'm yeah. cool. You know, like like Big Tats. You know, like, dude. I landed on my face. Like I walked on stage, and I felt my, myself go like, and. On the way down, <laughs> I said, I landed on my face, and now I'm scared because people are laughing. Like, like I went on stage and I was like, yeah, because I had been killing. It was my first time in Grahamstown. My first show opened with a standing ovation. People were coming to see me again. I walked on stage, brah. I remember laying there and I'm, I'm in pain. I'm in pain. I'm trying to lift my head. My face is sore. The only thing I can see is Stuart Taylor's white all-stars. And they're moving. They're moving like that. Because Stuart can't help himself. He is... He's, having, he's laughing, bro. <laughs> he's like, yeah. Nobody's trying to get me up or anything like that. And I'm like, oh my God. What the hell? I was like, I'm here. The best thing to do is act like I'm not in pain 
and just own this moment. A fat guy has fallen. This is fine. <laughs> <laughs> this is fine. Like a fat guy. Like I was on the floor going, a fat guy has fallen. Like I was outside of myself going, a fat guy has fallen. This is fun. Let's get up. I just enjoy it with everyone else. I don't think I enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed it for them. You know what I mean? Like, like I got up and I was like, eh, do you see that? Eh? Yeah. I was like, I was like, I promise you guys that was not intentional. That's not, that's not in my show. I did that specially for the suit. And I think what added to the embarrassment is that for the reminder of my set, there's nothing I could have said that was going to top no. the fact that I had fallen when I walked on stage. No. That's, that's the most embarrassing moment ever. Now, though, I'm not afraid of falling on stage. Like, I'm cool with it. Like, there was a point where I, I wish I don't fall on stage, and then I did. And then the worst moment was I was in Durban, uh, North Coast. And I was supposed to close a gig that had Anna Lakshmi and Neil Green with Jam Atkins hosting. But Neil Green was running late, so the dudes wanted to like push the show, have a late start. And it was like, doesn't make sense because I can start the show and Neil can close. Because Neil, Neil is like, fantastic. There's no reason to wait for another headliner to come in and do an opening spot well, I can do an opening spot and somebody else can close. Like, dope, let's do that. I go on, Anna Lakshmi, and then uh, Neil Green, Mo Vauda is somewhere in between there, I think. I don't remember how the lineup went, but I know that we decided we started on time. I went in, and I was killing like like I was killing like I knew you know when you know like I'm I'm killing this fucking game I was destroying this game and then the next thing a glass lands on stage <laughs> I can't so is going on. <laughs> did something fall from the sky? Like, I, but hey, wait, did something like, and I'm present. I'm killing, it's a type of killing where, like, I'm even present. Like, I'm confident enough to go, whoa, we'll go back to the killing. Let's just address this fucking glass. Because maybe the construction in this place is not up to standard. You know, like, what's going on? That sounds like some like apartheid you know what hit I, squad levels. Okay, now we're gonna go back to the killing. We will first have a bri. Yeah, but I was that level. Yeah. I was apartheid levels. Like yeah. I was hey man. I was that damn. I thought it was like a thing, I don't know, light bulb. And then this woman says, No man, I felt <laughs> I felt something go past. Now I'm scared. Now I'm like, what do you mean you felt something? They're like, hey, somebody threw it. Threw a glass. Hey, dude. Hey, man. Now I'm starting to get scared because I don't know what I said. 
that could have made somebody because everybody was enjoying it as far as I knew. Like I was having fun and I was sure they're having fun. But now like I'm scared. And I've never had confrontation. Forget stage. I have never had confrontation confrontation in a long time. Like I have never had to be in a fight in such a long time that I don't even know how to handle those moments. You know what I mean? Like, and then I go, yeah, y'all really threw a glass? Who did that? Nobody is. Now the show is gone. Like, the fun, the fun is, now I'm scared. I'm even like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, it's a combination of y'all hate me? What's going on? <laughs> and they're like, no, it's somebody at the back and it's a whole commotion. And, was, and, and then I was like, honest with them. I was like, hey man, like, I want to finish this. But I'm really scared. Like, I'm really scared. So I'm gonna... I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna... Like, I'm gonna... I wanted to... But uh, it's, I don't feel like doing it because it's... It's weird now. Like, this is... I'm, I'm gonna go. Uh, so, peace. That night, I gambled in a casino for the first time. I like the, the very quick segue between those two things. I'm going to go. That night I gambled in a casino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because that's, that's actually what happened. Uh, what's, what's his name? Anna Lashi's husband. Ah, I forget. Uh, let, me, let me not try and remember his name and say it because I'm going to fuck it up. He was like, cool, let's just, let's just go to the tables, man. And then I went and I played card poker and I lost a lot of money, but it was fun. The only time I've ever gambled in a casino in my life. That was that day. It was, I, I even ended up understanding why people lose money because it was fun and it was good for the soul. I didn't want to leave. <laughs> I was like, what are you doing gambling? What are you doing going to the ATM going to get more money? But I was hurt. Like yes. it hurt me. Yes. Yeah, it hurt me. Like, Gambling was, is like the solve that you put on a, on a wound. Hey man, it, it like, I understood it. Like, Hit me! It was, it was, it was like I was really hurt. The idea of going back to the hotel and sleeping by myself was not so appealing, and I was not gonna get drunk. I like I knew that I could drink as much as I want. I'm not gonna get drunk because like it was like Despacito times. You remember Despacito, and they were playing it over and over and over and over, and. Like, I had a couple of drinks and I was like, but I'm not going to get drunk here. And my man said, let's go gamble. Hey, man. Yeah, that's... Those are the two moments that... There are other moments, but those two moments I'll carry for a very long time. There's something, there's something deeply traumatic about these things, particularly when we're starting out. I drove past uh, the main road in Rondebosch. There used to be a keg where we had a comedy night. And this is 2002. I'd been doing comedy for less than a year. And uh, somebody shouted, somebody heckled me for the first time. And I think the heckle was, firstly it was, you're not funny. And then that was followed by, why don't you get off? Just get off. 
and the stage was the stage was here and the door was there and I looked at him I looked at the door I looked at the audience and I said okay Oof. and I put the mic back in the stand and I and I walked straight to the door and out the door and up the road and as far as I could walk away from that place and, and I never went back Oof. that hurts do you know what I'm present to? Because when that happened to me, the last thing, it was the first time something like that happened to me. It happened after many years. Because I think my frame intimidates to it. Like sometimes when I'm on stage, I gotta go, take it easy a little bit, you're scaring them. Do you know what I mean? Like I can feel, especially if the crowd is white, like, I can scare the shit out of white people. Do you know what I mean? Like, sometimes I've got these ideas and then I, and I just say the but, thing. And is that not also enjoyable, to see the look of sheer terror? No, it's not enjoyable. No. I don't enjoy because it. Because it doesn't work for comedy. Yeah, it doesn't work for comedy. Like, I don't, I don't enjoy it. I just... I, I'm just saying the thing because I think it's funny and they'll enjoy it. And... And the idea and also the ideas that are funny it's, it's meant to, I, in my mind I'm going it's it's all the same Do you know we will will like the one bit that I even stopped doing was was going yeah why people uh I we, I know you say racist shit about us when we're not there it's 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 fine uh because we also talk shit about you when you're not there we also have a conversation about if Mandela had, had given us three weeks, you know, we would have killed a lot of you and then it would be cool. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> we would love that joke. <laughs> and then we're like, oh, That's the classic uh, where you look down at your hand and go, yeah, that joke looks much better with a black audience. <clears throat> Yeah, that's for blacks only. That, that's gonna kill yes. black <laughs> That's for blacks only. Uh, this one, not so much in Devonville. Uh, why, <laughs> why, when comedians do that, do we never actually write the exact words down? Uh, it's because I don't even do that. I don't have a, a like pen vibes. That is because it takes too long. Yeah. I went to do a show in Nigeria before I was doing stand-up I was yeah. doing this kind of theatre for companies called what was it? corporate theatre industrial theatre we did a show for Coca-Cola in this weird part of Nigeria that you had to fly from Lagos to somewhere else and then we had to drive through the night uh, and people in Nigeria like driving on the wrong side of the road I don't mean like we drive on the left they drive on the right which they do but then if traffic's bad they'll drive on the other you've been yeah. right? No, I so it's the middle of the night yeah. and, and, the, and there's cars coming towards you and it's mad and you get there and it's in the desert somewhere and they said to me can you write a piece for, for the dinner uh, like a dinner theater thing and uh, I was like yes I can write uh, and I decided to write the history of Coca-Cola and then act it out with a guy called Ishmael Texera whilst the audience were eating dinner which as we know 
You never want to perform want during to perform, dinner. Yeah. And you also never want to perform on the other side of the swimming pool from the audience oh, yes, whilst yes, they're having yes, dinner. Yes, so yes. halfway through the history of Coca-Cola, John Pemberton did this and, and we had top hats and whatever. The organizer came up to me while we were in the middle of the show and said, could you please, could you please stop? And, uh, and that's the last time I was in Nigeria. Oof. Wow. There was also the Luris that I hosted one and only time in front of 4,000 people where the director eventually came into my ear going, can you stop doing any jokes at all and just finish? Oh, slam. And then you're stuck in a small town like Margate or something yeah. like that. And you just, well, you don't want to stay in that hotel. Ah, uh, bruh. But there was no casino. Newcastle. I luckily I had, I had Black Rock Casino. Something, not that. They they just let me. Uh, also, I was very new. It was my first corporate. I had no idea what I was doing. But there was like a huge space between myself and the audience. It was just not my gig, man. It was just it's a gig that somebody else would have killed, but I just sucked at it. It was just like mid-performance. These kids running around. Do you know, like, the dude would come in and go, hey, man, you're not doing it right. That's just, ah! <laughs> make the people dance. Make the people dance. Like, I, I don't want to hear make people dance. Oh, they should have had Sivan Gessie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Siv would have yeah, killed, killed, killed that. Yeah, Siv would have. I'm, I'm Mr. Hey. Flick flacks. Yeah, da, da, da. that's that. Next, it's <laughs> jokes, jokes, jokes. They were not interested in that. And then I was sitting there going, I don't want to stay in this town. I want to go. And then I drove. I drove, took the car that they had rented for me to take back to Durban. I drove to Pretoria and then I forfeited the thing in there, the flight in Durban, and then I flew from Pretoria because I just wanted to get out. Yeah, drive Newcastle, Durban. I was like, I can't. I just want to you get out. You drove to Pretoria? Yeah, I was like, I just want to get out of here. I'm going to go home. Where were you? Newcastle. Newcastle. You could have just gone to Durban. Yeah, you thought, but then, I want nothing to do with KwaZulu Natal. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I wanna. I'm actually going. I'm going home to my mother, and then I went. Home. I want mommy. <laughs> That's the feeling you have. <laughs> I, I want mommy. Like, this gig so much. I'm going home to my mom. And what, what he and, and what he didn't mention was him and his mom weren't even talking at that point. We had just started talking. Exactly. Yeah, we had just started talking. And I was like, yeah, I want to go home. I want to go and talk to her again. So I, I, drove, I drove home, bro. Jeez. Drove home to my mom, bro. I mean, we've been through those, those experiences. I remember once being in Sun City, and then the, uh, after the gig, the client said, no, guys, we're paying you a lot of money. Just stay and talk to us for a bit. And we were like, no, no. We're going to drive all the way home no. right now. I once went to, and the worst is when you're in like some place isolated. Yeah. And you're with those people now. And you've died. Yes. I did this thing in, in, in um, it was on a, it was on a nature uh, game reserve, Johan Rupert's game reserve. I forget the name. Leopard's Creek. Leopard's Creek. Leopard yes. Creek. Yes. Have you been there? No. Nope. Leopard Creek. And there's a golf thing. So they bring all the pro golfers yeah. and they're all the businessmen and now they play. And Johan Rupert chain smokes. No smoking in the venue, but it's his. Yeah. So he's yeah. going to fork in. I mean, like. Yeah. And then you, you go on, and so you here, right? Audience is, is here. And then Johan Rupert sits here with his back to you. Only person with his back to you. You must now perform 
to Johan Rupert's back while he's chain smoking. Right? And then so you pick on someone in the front row who's from Scotland or whatever. Now you're talking to this guy. But he's Johan Rupert's guest of honor and he doesn't like the way you're talking to him. So he's, give me that mic. And he grabs your mic. And now you've given him the mic, which is never do that. Never, ever. Yeah, and, give him away, and he's like, you're talking too fast. My friend from Scotland doesn't understand what you are saying. And then, and then I had to grab the mic back. And then I got eight minutes into the 30-minute set and thought, fuck that. I'm going home. I'm going to fucking drive to Pretoria. But I couldn't drive. I had to drive to metaphorical Pretoria, which was the middle of the, the golf course. I walked straight out that venue into the middle of the fairway. There were leopards. I don't know. Lions. I don't know what the fuck was out there. And I just... I I spoke to I don't know who Hashem Jah yeah. Yahweh <laughs> and I and I was just like motherfucker god fucking fucking other I screamed for about five minutes. Yeah, it's one of those I had. Conrad Koch was saying. Conrad Koch says he did a gig like that with with Johan, and he did his bits. And Johan, Johan stood up, I think. It's Conrad Koch, he'll, he'll tell the story better. It's, it's his bit, so he'll tell But he, he says, like, Johan walked out, like, ah, man, I hate it, whatever, whatever. Walked out. And then he did his thing. Now he's scared, he's like, ah, oh, fuck. I'm just pissed off. Like, the richest man in the country, connections. He's gonna fucking squash my career. Oh my god! You know all these things that you think when you've just pissed through pen off somebody who's powerful off. And then after he said, where he like did the rest of the thing like half-heartedly, he show he he shows up. And he goes, I got you. Yes. What do you mean you got me? I got you. Got you. Ah, you was gonna love it out. Like ah, shit. Oh man, yeah. I watched uh, when you watch another comic dying, uh, not in a comedy club because we've all seen that, but yeah. at a corporate. Okay. And this was with a billionaire by the name of um, uh, Doe Stain. Oh yeah. Doe Stain owned that insurance company. Uh, uh, forget the name. And he owned the Saxon Hotel in Java. And Mark Lottring and I were booked to do this Saxon Hotel uh, for this guy. And it was the middle of the day. Now, Mark doesn't like performing in the day okay. because he can see people. Yes. And he yeah, mustn't, yeah, I know that. He yeah, mustn't yeah. see people. Yeah. So he was having to look at the spaces between the people. Oh, yes. Right. <laughs> and then, the, so it was us, Dostain, who's perpetually drunk, uh, and then about 13 Miss South Africa contestants. So we both we both pretty much died, but Dostain took a particular disliking to Mark Lottering, and and I was standing at the back with the event coordinator, and I could see a commotion there where Dostain was sitting. He'd called the minions around, and he'd obviously said, "Get this guy off. Oof. I don't like this guy." And uh, Lisa, the event coordinator, said to me, "Nick, I don't know what to do." Because they called her over. He wants to cut Mark. And Mark's only five minutes into his 20 minutes. What do I do? I was like, I don't know what you do. So she decided to make it look like that she was just taking a stroll through the audience past the stage. 
So she did this thing. Imagine you were Mark, yeah. and she went up like this, and she just went, just cut it there. <laughs> she walked off to the pretend she was going to the the toilet, and uh, and it was like a about two seconds before the punchline of his his like finale. It's moments, guy. And and you talk about not wanting to go to the hotel on your own. He and I were supposed to go to the airport to fly out. And on the way to the airport, he said, just drop me at this hotel. And I didn't see Mark again. <laughs> happens, dude. It happens. And then, like, I signed a non-disclosure. So I was booked for a gig in a certain island in the continent. It was a birthday of the king of some country. Oh, this gig. That gig. This one, the Sultan. Yeah, Sultan with the, with the harem and the... Yeah. yeah. Oh, dog. Was this Seychelles, Mauritius, somewhere? That one. Yes. Seychelles. Yes. He hires friends. He hires women. He hires a comedian. <laughs> So you go yeah, in. I have never seen that number of beautiful women in one place in my life. Not even on TV. I'm booked with other bands like Umoja, Abafugi or something like that. We go to this place. Swanky, like... They gave me a lot of money to do like a very short time. Like five minutes. Yes. We want you to do like an African inspired set type of vibe, you know? Like, uh, this guy's friend, the king of some country, is going to come with his people and his sons. Don't look him in the eye if he addresses you, call him your highness. You know, like those rules. <laughs> but the money is so good. They flew me first class. Like, yeah, sure. And they flew me to the island on. On Sunday morning, my performance was Thursday night, the following Thursday night, and bouncing, coming back Friday morning. So I was on holiday, like right after my show, like right after my show at the Baxter, like I got a free holiday. Then I like, sit here and just, and just be for five days and just be on holiday. Best Except you're the, thinking about your set for five days as well. No, you know, bro. You got that five minutes done. You're like, I'm fine. I've got the five minutes done. That's that's the five minutes that they booked me for. I'm going to do it as it is. I might tweak it to take them on a I'm journey. I'm just going to sit here and watch models. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to sit there and watch literally top models. Uh, 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 topless on the beach. Like, it's not a thing. And I'm on the beach. And then some weed guy went past. And he was like, hey, my friend. I sell marijuana. I was like, my nigga. <laughs> I have bought two bottles of vodka. <laughs> I have bought two bottles of vodka, bro. <laughs> no other comedians there. No other just comedians. Bands and models. It's just me and the singers and the MTN gladiator. It's a thing. Like, and they go to the parties. The models go to the parties with yeah. them every night. Yeah. Dude. Did you go to the parties? No, I didn't go no, to the parties. Just, there was no men allowed, allowed at the party. Yeah, I was yeah. not allowed. Nothing. They just go sit there. And everybody else that I was with was like, 
little rooms, like sharing rooms, blah, blah, blah. They gave me a swanky place by myself on the beach next to these, like, it's just me and these models, right? But they speak in foreign languages. I didn't say one word to them. Like, there was no... But I looked like there was no. Didn't you even like way. when you speak one word to see if the person understands you? No, bro. I didn't no. even. I did not even. They said these are not yours. Stay away. And I was like, Afina, stay away. I'm far from home. I'm not gonna take chances. I just chain smoked on the balcony. Looked. I'm back into my room. Back to the beach. Go eat. That's that's it. And the dudes from Umoju came through and we, we hung out a lot. And I just, I mean, it's a holiday. I was like, I'm on holiday. I'm at a resort. I'm going to be at the resort and do resort things. That's what it is. Performance day comes in. And <laughs> it's very weird. They like dress me up with feathers. Our guys have thought I'm here to do comedy. <laughs> I was like, I'm here to do comedy. Where are the pictures? What there? the pictures hell? No. <laughs> Why not? It's like, and this dude, like feather bowers or hey man, this in your hair. Do you know, like you know, like when they do, do like the African fucking what what whatever they have in their mind or what Africa looks like. I didn't. I thought I'm there to do stand up. And now they're expecting a praise poet vibe. I don't fucking know. What, like, did they ask you to belly dance, dude? I go, praise poetry. Call my old man. Hey, man, it looks like they want praise poetry. I got praise poet. poetry. Anything. Just give me, send me anything I can say in like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> my dad sends me some gibberish. <laughs> like, he sends me nonsense, bro. Like, like it's, it's not nonsense because my dad is a dope writer. But I look at that cock and I go, I'm not going to memorize this shit. And I'm not gonna go, yeah, I'm, yo, I'm not. This is not, this is not gonna work. And these people don't even know Sitsuana anyway. So I can just stay there and just do my set in vernacular. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can just be like, uh, here's, this is an applause break. <laughs> Like there's a dude playing the guitar. Like it's it's a setup, right? Like it's all set up, and so it's like maybe six, seven stairs, right? I'm at the bottom of the stairs, and there's they've got candles lit around where I'm supposed to perform. So this is like weird. This is like far out of my comfort zone. And they're like, this dude's gonna come through after after dinner, we'll let you know when he comes and then you can do the thing. All right, dope. So they lit the candles after dinner and they're like, he's on his way. Ah, get ready to perform. And then he comes through and then he stands there and it's him and, and it's all these women. And dude, like, hey. And then I go, okay, don't look at him in the eye. Just try and look at the entourage and do the set. In Setsuana. Setsuana. Yeah. <laughs> 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 and then if you do like some movements, <laughs> it will look authentic. <laughs> so I start busting the set. 
And yeah, the ancestors. The ancestors are powerful, though. Like I'm, I'm at the beginning of this set, and one of these ladies, she was dressed in all red, red shoes. I remember the shoes. I remember the legs and the shoes. I saw him go, and then she fell. And then it's like she falls in the middle of this thing, and then I was like, Your Highness, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> And they're like, thank you, thank you very much. And then, and then they left. That was the end. That was the end, bro. Like, two, two minutes. And then she she fell. And then I'm stuck there. I was like, your highness, I don't know what to do now. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And then she left. Everybody left. Oh, my God. And then they, yeah. And then they, they left. And I was sitting there with my feathers going, what the hell has just happened? And then I went to take off all these fellas. Like, what the hell just happened? And then the car came, picked me up, sent me back to the hotel, at which point, like, I drank that vodka. And the whole time I was going, what? Even today, it's one of those, like, yeah, the ancestors are powerful. The ancestors, they're the ancestors at my back because I had no idea what the hell I was doing. <laughs> I had no, none, bro. Um, this is a reminder to us to have Mark Banks on this podcast to talk about the fact that he is still the only comedian in history yeah. to have made the Sultan laugh. Oh, wow. And somehow he got away with not wearing feathers to that game. Wore them, bro. I wore the shit out of them, man. Actually, I was not even supposed to do the, do the game. Somebody else was supposed to do the gig and then they cancelled last minute some emergency uh, freaking whatever uh, happened so they were not even supposed to have a comic but because I was doing bits about my dad being a Sangoma somebody thought oh yeah this dude will work because he knows African whatever 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 uh, let's let's bring him because it was like an Africa whatever party for his close mate and and it was a fuck yeah, it was, it was, but that, that was fun. I enjoyed that. And I was, the most painful thing is that I was alone. There was nobody to share that mm. moment with and say, did you see what the fuck she said? No, there was no one. Not even a picture of you and Fens. Dude, not even I a, feel like we thank need to, God there's no picture of I me. feel like we need to reenact. I feel like that's a scene, a sketch for, for a, a, that we should reenact. Yeah, because that's funny. That's funny. Like, like I felt like after she fell, I was like, I don't, I don't know. I was like, I literally, Your Highness, I don't know what to do now. <laughs> it's it's fine. It's fine. Let's go. And then <laughs> because even when I was talking, they were going, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> what the hell? Because I was the only odd thing out. Like, on their way out of dinner, there was a dude, like, singing, like, Vusi Mashasela style with a guitar. He was really, really dope. Moja was dope. Abba Vumi. He killed it. Like, like it was the first time I saw them perform. And then, it's a band from Gualang. I ended up buying their stuff at the Bay Hava Wrestling Market because they were 
killing it. Do you know what I mean? Like, there was a lady that was sick. Everybody was doing what they were supposed to do. It was dope. Mine was, it was shit. I was like, but this is, this is nonsense. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, you guys booked me for nonsense. Like, I need the money. but And it was two weeks before Lobola, my final Lobola to Ellen, uh-huh. and I didn't have enough money. So that that was an ancestors gig. The ancestors were like, "Yeah, you don't have enough money." There's a gig. Like it was one of those gigs that came out because I was I was literally going to finish the thing, and we had agreed that we're not doing the the white wedding vibes. We're going all traditional, and that's it. And my, my family and Ellen's family were going, okay, if that's the case, we're going to throw a party. And Ellen and I, in terms of traditional stuff, we we bit ignorant. We, we didn't know what is supposed to happen, what is needed, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And therefore, we didn't have enough money. And they were like, yeah, we're going to get a tent, we're going to get a this, we're going to get so-and-so, we're going to get caterers, we need money. Fuck. And then out of the blue, this gig just came. Do you know, this was, that was that gig that you get from the ancestors. That's why, I like, when she fell, I was like, ah, this, this is what Togos, it is. Togos, Togos. Ah, I was like, yeah, this, is, this is what it is. Seafoam, seafoam. I, I was not there to do the work. I was just there to be there and then go get married. That's basically what it is. And now a word from our sponsors. Are your online funerals killing the vibe? Might your Zoom weddings be putting everyone to sleep? Do your virtual swingers parties feel pop? What you need is a praise singer to raise everyone's spirits. Call 0800 and book your praise singer today. T's and C's apply. For example, praising will not be seen dead in feathers, not even at their own funeral. Keiji Mokhari, thank you for joining us and sharing this moving story about a comedian's journey with his ancestors to a foreign land performing for a sultan and his friend and a woman in dodgy high heels. All right, everybody, that was uh, the legendary KG Mohadi Kahiso. KG Mohadi, son of a sangoma, son of a praise singer, son of a gun. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and share. Share it. Share it widely with, I don't know, whoever you want to share it with. Because sharing makes the universe expand. Also, next week on the podcast, I'll have Rob Funfear, a multi-talented actor, comedian, dancer, boxer, as well as a very good friend of mine who I shared a lot of intimate moments with during the pandemic. Uh, but we're not, not getting too much into the emotional turmoil because I feel like Rob has turned a corner. And so we'll just be talking about times he wanted to move people. I think you'll enjoy it. I did. <laughs>